Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. You are listening to KEDC and Red Sea Roundup, also KYAR. And if you have any um, thing you want to call in this first few minutes, if you've got some activities going around on around town this weekend, you can call us at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. Um, your host today is myself, Pam Marvin. And it is with, you know, a sad heart, um, but also a very grateful heart that we'd like to take a few moments at the top of this hour to dis- to to say um, offer condolences to the Bush family with the passing of Barbara Bush. Um, I can I can speak um, just what a personal reflection is for me, um, just knowing her from a distance and seeing her example um, and knowing that she's really been a part of our, our community here in the Bryan College Station area for many years. Um, what a woman of stature and grace and that dignity. You know, they, they say today we've lost a little bit of that uh, or quite a bit of the kind of that 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 human dignity um, that was so that, that her generation was just so embodied so well. It was a, a strength and a tenderness that were wrapped up into one that was just so beautiful and so admirable and and I know hers was was really rooted in a deep faith as well and and just the grace they bring into and have brought into our community having the Bush Library right here um, where their daughter Robin is buried and and so I'd like to to take a few moments to reflect on that and, and some of her words of wisdom and things that she said and done that have just really had an effect on all of us in a positive way you know um her legacy will go on forever. And I, and I do pray that, that this will kind of enkindle um, learning about her life and her type of leadership. One of the really neat things I, um, I saw yesterday that was just moving and, and it was an observation that I had never thought of before. She was a descendant of a president. She married a president and she bore a president what a legacy. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Welcome, Thaddeus. I know we're having a little bit of... Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. we had a little <laughs> failure of the uh, bumper music app oh, on the well, on the okay. iPad. It's going to happen sometimes. We're going to roll with it. Yeah, we're just going to go on. Right. In some ways, it was apropos to have a, a silent intro since we're remembering the, right. the passing of this, this person who... Um, the Bushes really became kind of fixed. They were fixtures here in the Bryan College Station area when Robin and I first got here in the early 2000s. That's mm-hmm. when he was still quite vigorous, wasn't confined to the wheelchair yet. He would right. be in the student uh, student health center, not the student health center, but the you know where the they they go work out. He would be doing the oh the rec at the rec. Yeah, yeah he would be. Uh, on the treadmill or swimming. God bless his heart. He was at a lot of basketball games, baseball games, you know, it was very much a presence. So they were very much a presence here 
uh, 15, 10 years ago. Well, it's going to be with great joy that we really um, celebrate her life and the legacy that she has left behind, what she did as a public service person. I mean, to have such a heart of public service and endure, let's just say, endure the things that she did endure for standing up for truth and goodness and and literacy. I want to read just a quick little blurb about what uh, the Texas Monthly's put out about it. Barbara Bush was a famous first lady and a woman unlike any other who brought levity, love, and literacy to millions. To us, she was so much more. And it says, Mom kept us on our toes and kept us laughing until the end. I'm a Oh, this is the quote from um, George Bush, George W. Bush. Mom kept us on our toes and kept us laughing until the end. I'm a lucky man that Barbara Bush was my mother. Our family will miss her dearly. And we thank you all for your prayers and good wishes. And that's former Bush. Um, she may not have been a Texan by birth, but she came one, one by choice in which she loved. And she died at the age of 92 just yesterday. Just uh, just um, want to also talk about some of the things that she said and left behind, some of her quotes that were really very moving to me. She has a um, a memoir out there, Thaddeus. I don't know if you've read it. Have you read it, The Historian That You Are? I have not read her memoir, no, no ma'am. Uh, it's, it's kind of inspired me to kind of do that. It's been published for a number of years now, though. Right. Well, this one was particularly poignant. I mean, for I think most of it, I know in Bryan College Station, we all know that they had a, they lost a daughter that at three years of age. Robin. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1953. And she recounts some of this in her, in her memoir, which was so beautiful. And I want just, just gives you a reflection on the heart of this woman. Mm-hmm. It said, she says, eventually the medicine that was controlling the leukemia caused other terrible problems. We called George. And by the time he got there after flying all night, Our baby was in a coma. Her death was very peaceful. One minute she was there, and the next she was gone. I truly felt her soul go out of that beautiful little body. For one last time, I combed her hair, and we held our precious little girl. I never felt the presence of God more strongly than at that moment. Amazing. So, Barbara, we know you're rejoicing today to have Robin in your arms again, and we're so grateful for the time. The good Lord let let us have you on the on the planet. Now, I heard a beautiful um, President Bush not too long ago. I think said something about uh, he was asked about his marriage to her, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of. Uh, there isn't uh, her and I. We're we're just one. There's just one. Yeah. Um, I saw a beautiful. So they they have a they they're uh, they certainly stand as a great commitment to the permanence of marriage, the fidelity of marriage, uh, how the two become one in in um, a real way. Yeah, I saw uh, where. I'm not sure which one of the children had said that um, he was her closest confidant advisor during mm-hmm. his time in office as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's beautiful. That's the way God intended it to be, really. Um, as as a woman, as a married woman, I, I love being that um, closest confidant to my husband who 
But the key is here that actually George probably did really listen. <laughs> I think so. So that's really beautiful. So I'm not sure um, what some of the plans are going to be, uh, where her funeral is. I haven't seen anything like that, but let me go over. I'm going to just switch switch gears a little bit to um, I'm looking at the Eagle this morning. It says members of the public will be able to pay the respects to the former First Lady Barbara Bush on Friday between noon and midnight at St. Martin's Church in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I know that they did say that she will be laid to rest here in College Station at the George Bush Library. I don't know if we have any of that uh, information just yet. But she will lie in repose at that church at 717 Sage Road. And again, you know, she, I think, other than her grace and dignity that she brought so much to, was her campaign of uh, literacy to the Brazos Valley. And we had the Barbush Center still. That's right. And, well, we... um are very sorry to hear and we offer the KADC and the whole Brazos Valley offer our condolences to the to the Bush family. Um, she is very loved and we pray that you will all feel the love and tenderness that we offer you on this day. And I think pray especially for uh, President Bush. I think he's going to, I'm sure both of them prepared for the passing of the other one and what that would be, what that would be like, but I don't think anyone can totally prepare themselves for that eventuality. And so this is going to be a real time of adjustment for him. And I hope that he can have his family close to him to help him, especially through this time. I did. Cause they have been, they have been, uh, <laughs> they've been together for a long time. 73 years married. Been through a lot. I've never, I don't think I've ever known a couple that, you know, maybe per, not, not like I know them personally, but what a, what a testament to the sacrament of marriage as well. And they said he's responding very well um, in his, his general stoic nature, very dignified, yep. um, which is his, actually, I think it can be considered a gift, not a gift that I have for sure. And I'm having trouble over here with this computer <laughs> that he is. Well, we just want to say um, a short prayer for her. Let's pray for her soul, Thaddeus. In the name of the Father, Father Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for the life, the love, the legacy of Barbara Bush. And she has taught so many of us what true feminine dignity is about. We want to pray for her soul today. We ask for the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God. May she rest in peace now and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, I'm trying to think of a, a, a segue <laughs> after that to talk about what's going on in our community. I wanted to, to um, let everyone know another passing of um, the legionary brother, Anthony, who passed away in Rome um, about a yeah, week ago. Yeah, I saw that story. Can you give some personal yes, it's, it's been, discussion of it? Yes. Um, brother Anthony is just a very loved young man, 29 years old. He was in seminary formation over in Rome 
And um, apparently what had happened was um, they all took off for a a trip and he didn't show up, which was unusual for him. And um, he died quietly in his room. And I believe of like the enlarged heart syndrome is what it was. So God Mm. took him really young. He actually does have a book as well. That, that actually hit the number one right after his passing, number one on the Catholic list. Wow. It was um, geared towards millennials and, and praying with and being there for millennials these day and times. But yeah, I want to offer special condolences to the, um, the legionaries I know personally. The one I know personally that's most affected is Brother Jarek. He was studying with him, was to be, uh, become a transitional deacon with him this, this coming month. Um, wow. They, yeah. In Houston, um, his family's from Katy. The funeral will be this Friday in Katy for Brother Anthony. So therefore, okay. um, ladies, the morning of reflection that we were to have down at St. Joseph and Brian has been canceled due to the passing of Brother Anthony and all of his legionary brothers wanting to attend his funeral. And the men's evening of reflection that was supposed to be Thursday night at St. Thomas has also been rescheduled. So, okay. Yeah. It'll be rescheduled. and Ripples we, of effect through the legionary. Yes. Yes. Very heartbreaking to, to lose someone so young. But, you know, I think in these day and times, the good Lord's taken those good ones back, needs them in heaven to help pray for all of us that are still here trying to do the Lord's work and Lord's will um, to be little warriors and soldiers for Christ, to have that kind of courage that's needed in today's time to, mm-hmm. to pour all that into our families to strengthen families. Um, and just to have the, the positive ripple effect of the lives we touch. Mm-hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, I read a quote this morning from Pope Benedict that I think is a very uh, good one to share this morning. And that is, a people of hope live differently. Hmm. When hope settles deeply into us, we live differently. And I think that's one thing I personally can speak that my Catholic faith has given me is um, trying and hopefully being a person of those, those cardinal, not cardinal virtues, but theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Yeah. Um, and that was a very interesting reflection for me years ago as I started growing in my Catholic faith that that those are graces given to us. It's not by our own personal humanness that we can really grow in those, but through our desire and the grace of God that we can grow in those virtues. And I I pray to always be a person of hope and to, to spread that amount of hope, especially in these day and times, that is. Hope is uh, kind of waning. We look around us and see so much darkness and yeah but the church lived through a a huge persecution at the very beginning and then there have been other ages of uh, intense skepticism 16th 17th century and 18th century in in europe um now again it's, it's it's okay i think one thing that uh and uh, close to home something that can i think stiffen the the faith and the resolve of uh, Catholics here in our listening area is tomorrow night is our benefit dinner in Waco for our station, KYAR station. Patrick Madrid's going to be there speaking on Eucharistic miracles. Mm. And Pam, we are not, I'm not exaggerating here. We are 100% filled to capacity. That's awesome. Really very impressive 
turnout by the people in Waco to get behind that station, come out and support it and really make it their own. Now, I'm going to going to ask you a question that I'm not sure you know the answer to, so forgive me. Do you know the parishes that support uh, the, the I don't local? know all of them because there are a number There's, of parishes in some of the, um, you know, smaller towns like and in villages West and, and byways. West is one of the larger that's not oh, actually okay. in Waco technically. And what, uh, West has had a very strong support of the station from, from the outset. Sacred Heart in Waco, St. Jerome's, okay. St. Louis... Um, some of the other com- communities that I know off the top of my head are, are it services Bellmead, uh, it services, oh, Stephanie Lee, I'm sorry. Please forgive me if you're listening. I can't remember all the smaller, smaller places that it touches, but those are some of the, right. some of the parishes I know off the top of my head. Yeah. But it's it, just fantastic. It's going to be at Sacred Heart Parish in, in Waco tomorrow night, uh, starting at 630 nice dinner, beer and wine will be served. Patrick Madrid's going to do a, a great presentation and he's a quite a wonderful, uh, amiable person he that, that you can come up and talk to at the book signing table and he'll spend some time with you and visit and just, just it'll be a nice evening. He's a very gentle man. We had yeah. him a few years ago. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. And, and tell me who we have this year again because I can't remember. Who are we having coming back here to Bryan College Station? I can't, uh, can't, not at liberty to release oh, that yet. Oh, no, we don't know yet. Well, we know. I just am not at liberty to oh, say yet. We haven't We haven't rolled it out. As no, we have say. not rolled it out yet, oh, no. Oh, okay. Well, that's a nice teaser then for ours, I would <laughs> say. I'm looking forward to hearing what that's going to uh, be. Yeah. Um, there is one other thing going on around town. Um, the Kappa Theta Beta Hoedown is Friday, April 20th. Around town, Brian College that, Station. Around that's town. right, Brown. Yes, that is this Friday, at the Vic Country Pavilion. Cost is ten dollars admission for adults and children eight and under are free. Okay, that'll that's be good to know. That'll be a good time. Yeah, great, great. And let's see. There's other things coming up. Again, I want to just remind everybody that that. Uh, Morning of Reflection that was scheduled for St. Joe's uh, Friday, April 20th, reflecting on the love of Christ has been uh, canceled due to um, Brother Anthony's passing. And, oh, there's another thing that's very exciting coming up. May 6th is the 38th annual St. Joseph Parish Festival. Okay, 38 years. Yeah. And where is that held? It's at the St. Anthony Pavilion. Hmm. Um, there's like raffle and auction, silent auction, barbecue, good barbecue, by the way. And um, just come on out that day. They've got really cool things like the book nook, cake wheel, grocery wheel. Um, oof, holy smokes, backyard barbecue cook-off and a 42 domino tournament. Oh, my goodness. I'm not good at 42, but I sure do love to play it. I may have to get a part of that, be a part of that. I love 42. Gee, I don't even know how to play. Really? Well, I'm not a Texan. Not a native Texan. Oh, oh, I have I have really fond memories so. of watching my um, parents and yeah. great or my, my grandparents and great grandparents sitting around the card table. That's great. Um, playing late into the night. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really neat. And whenever we go on our family vacations with uh, that side of my mom's side of the family, we always have vigorous forty two competitions. Uh-huh. I, I do not win. I've got uh, an accountant. For a, a cousin who she does really well, Amy, 
and my uncle too. So um, I hope that you will stay tuned um, after the break. I'll be talking to Sister Penny from the CHI Health System and Mission Integration on Forgiveness. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Join me live in studio today is Sister Penny Dunn with the, the Sisters of St. Francis and CHI Health Center over there in Bryan. Welcome, Sister Penny. Well, thank you, Pam. It's a pleasure for me to be able to be here with you today. I'm, I'm so thankful. I have to let my listeners know that I had a, um, a little bird. I have a very, very, very dear friend um, that's in the hospital system who got to hear your forgiveness talk. And, to, um, and she said, Pam, it's so wonderful. And I said, well, I'll have to get her on the show. And she said, oh, what a great idea. And so I called you up and here you are. Oh, yeah. I try to do a lunch and learn every now and then and decided uh, maybe we should look at our struggles mm. with forgiveness because, you know, I can look at just even co-workers at times. We're not perfect over there, right? Right. And I look at family. I look at relatives. A lot of people have difficulty in letting go. Oh, it's so true. Sister, I want to start kind of like at the beginning. For those of you that don't really uh, know who Sister Penny is, and for our listeners outside of the Brazos Valley and beyond, um, give us a little of your background and how you found your way to the Brazos Valley. Ah, Ah. sure. Okay, well, I am a sister of St. Francis, and uh, we have had St. Joseph Healthcare System actually since 1935. Wow. Not me, but the community. (laughs) So I came down here to Bryan six and a half years ago. But prior to that, I was a director of faith formation for 26 years in Catholic parishes. Mm. And uh, about 26 years ago, I was in Corsicana as a pastoral assistant there. And then uh, before coming here to Bryan, I was in Minneapolis, St. Paul Diocese. My home is Minneapolis. So Mm -hmm. my background really was... Uh, faith formation, but I was invited by my religious order, not told I had to come, but (laughs) asked if I would pray about it uh, and consider the position that was open for me at uh, St. Joseph's Hospital in Bryan. Well, I like the way that you're talking about you you were for faith formation, right? Well, you're taking it to a a greater level in your position here. So let's tell everyone what your position is again. Yes, uh, I'm vice president for mission integration. And what that means is that I uphold the mission and the values, the behavior standards, and the ethics of the organization. When you work for a Catholic healthcare system, People wonder, well, what's the difference between a Catholic health care system and a health care system? Mm-hmm. And there are two pillars to a Catholic health care system. One are the ethical and the religious directives for Catholic health care, which is really the focus on the dignity of human life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have to say that my job is directive number 56. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the beginning of life issues yes. and the end of life issues and everything in between, but also the Catholic social teachings, which again really uphold human dignity. That's what we are about. Uh, that's how we form all of our uh, 
new employees. So I do mm-hmm. orientation for mm-hmm. new employees all the time. People who come to us are really attracted to the fact that we are faith-based. We find that if our values and theirs are not in alignment, they don't last with us. Mm-hmm. They're not comfortable. Yes. I know. I know as a as a twice around employee of the health system, it was just a breath of, breath of uh, fresh air each time that uh, I went for the formation and got to hear you speak on St. Francis and his values. And, and I have to say, uh, very authentically steeped in, in the traditions of um, Catholic healthcare and just the overall ethics and the, the high standards we have about treating everyone. This is my favorite with human dignity. Yes. That's That's beautiful. That's key for us. It's always the patient comes first. We have a sister who's a chaplain. She has gone into the room of a Buddhist. And what does she pray? The rosary? No. She prays a Buddhist prayer. Mm. Now, some people might think that's strange, but we are there for the patient and to serve them. And that was their need. And that is what then she prayed. That's beautiful. And so as a mission integration head, you you said that you kind of came up with the idea of like, well, I think this is where we can have some formation, some more human formation that we can offer our staff to kind of feed their spirit and soul as well to help them be their best. Is that kind of how things came about with um, giving this talk? Yes. I looked at situations in the hospital, but even within my own personal life, family, relatives, so on. And, you know, it's interesting when I hear people say, oh, Easter is coming up. And of course, we're past Easter right now. But so-and-so isn't going to come to our dinner party because they haven't talked to their brother for 20 years and they're just going to stay home and they won't come. And it just makes a difference. And it's like, I thought to myself, why Why does this happen? Mm. Okay, so talk about uh, why you got the idea, particularly. You're saying this is why you, you'd heard that kind of a lot. I you heard, just knew I hear kind of things a... like this. I know of people who hang on to resentments mm. and they hold on to grudges and they don't know how to let their hearts forgive. And so I, I was reflective on that and prayed about it. And I thought, you know, I'm going to offer a lunch and learn at the hospital for those that can have some time to take and and come in and and listen to what I have to say. And I think a lot of what I was sharing resonated with their own personal experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, when we were having our our pre-show conversation, I was telling you about the lovely sister Miriam James, who I went to, uh, where she spoke publicly um, about forgiveness. And she said, you know, there's three, you know, the healing, overall healing of the person comes down to three basic things, forgiveness, forgiveness, and forgiveness. (laughs) So I feel very um, honored that you were able to take time out of your schedule to come here and share some of your wisdom about forgiveness. So with that, so you, you came up with the concept, um, but you start to walk us through, like, kind of, I, I want to say the anatomy of that unforgiveness type wound. Like, uh, you know, as we start to age and grow, we develop these kind of these unforgiveness, these woundedness. Sure. So kind of walk us through that. Okay. Well, I think when we're young, those generative years, we uh, we're focusing on our identity, our achievements and our ego is really in control and the ego should be in control. It's what we need to develop to achieve and uh, to work towards uh, success and so on. But as we 
become more self-disciplined. And who knows when that's going to happen, right? But we mature. We uh, move towards a mature adult faith. And I'm going to even say that, I think, as we get to that point, we start wrestling with God a little bit. Mm, mm -hmm. Because that ego continues to be in control of us. And that ego is that part of us that seeks pleasure and avoids pain. But it's a, a normal part of development. But there has to be a certain time in our life where the ego has to die. Mm. And that really means least, dying to self. Right. Wait, I think, you know, I, mean, I don't know if I, I wish I could completely kill my ego. Um, but kind of <laughs> what I'm hearing is like just my from personal experience is kind of like there's a little bit of an awakening that this is a ne necessity. Uh, like you're too much in, into yourself and you're being too selfish, really, because that's really another more simplistic way to talk about that ego. It's true, but it can also be, uh, like I said, a normal part of our development that should be there when we're in our 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s. But when we start getting into our 50s, 60s, 70s, as we note that hopefully we have some transformations and awakenings that have taken place in our life. And we know people who've entered into retirement. And they no longer are focused on achievements and even on sexuality. Sexuality is a, is a fire within us as young people. Well, it's supposed to be, right? right. It's, it's part of that development. But however, those energies take a new form as we age. Mm -hmm. And as we get older, we really should become like in our elder years, we should become a blessing elder. Mm, I love that term. And that just means that we are no longer the center of attention. Grandma and Grandpa are just happy to be at the party. <laughs> They're happy to be there. They they don't need to be saying anything. They don't have to be the, the center of attention. But um, we can start wrestling with God a little bit as we start going through transformations mm -hmm. uh, in our life. I remember, um, Pam, before I came here to Brian, and I was asked to come, okay, by my religious community, and if I would pray about it and consider it. And I said yes, and I hung up the phone, and then I felt like I was hit over the head with a baseball bat. Oh, no. And I thought, oh, no, I don't know. I've been in Minneapolis for 17 years now ministering, and this is my home. My friends are here, my family, and go to Bryan, Texas, and it's hot there. And, <laughs> and I thought, well, I don't know. But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't pray about it right away mm. because I just kind of thought, you know, if I start praying about it, God's going to probably want me to go. And then, so I guess that human side of me is there. Sure. Well, I was asked a second time and I said, yes, I'll, I'll pray about this. And they said, well, Sister Penny, do you think it would be helpful for you to go down there and meet the executive leadership on staff and see where you would live and so on and so forth? So I went into the chapel at the convent. And I sat down and I looked up at the crucifix and I said, Lord, I don't know if I really know how to surrender to you. Mm. I said, I don't, you know what I'm like. I said, I plan things. I'm a planner. I'm an organizer. I control things. I said, you know what I'm like. So you figure it out and you let me know. <laughs> and I think that was one of my most honest and transparent prayers. Mm. Now, I didn't walk out of the chapel having my answer, but over time, things just slowly, something was happening inside me, and I will call it a stirring yes. of the spirit that just 
tugs gently. God isn't abrasive with us and, and moves us and pushes. It just kind of gently moves us. And I started getting more thoughts about going to Brian. And I started looking at things in my life in Minneapolis and thought, well, you're pretty much in a comfort zone and maybe you need a little change. And so I said yes to coming down and being interviewed, so on and so forth. I come down and what did I do? I I fell in love with the people. Mm. And I guess I just want to say at this time too that for sisters, uh, we get moved around to different cities and different jobs and that is probably at times can be the most painful part of being a woman religious mm. because we are called to love people. We're called to allow people to love us in return. And when we move, um, that's the most hurtful part. It's uprooted. It's uprooted completely. Yeah, we fall we in love over. with people. Yeah. And um, I continue to keep up with as many relationships as I can until they quit sending me Christmas cards. <laughs> <laughs> So that's yeah. that's where where that goes. Okay, so now you're you're. Let's recall that you're ta- giving this talk at the lunch, and um, so many of us have different types of woundedness that we're holding on to, um, and so so we have that that we're really wrestling with. What would you advise us? Uh, what I advise with that is. Probably to look at our our prayer life, because I think, uh, I believe very strongly that there are two keys to prayer, and one has to do with listening, and the other one has to do with detachment. Yes, oh yes. And that we begin by observing ourselves, paying attention to how we handle anger, hurts, jealousy, power, and we don't have to pass any kind of judgment on ourselves, we just have to observe our reactions, because it shows us where our ego may still be in control. What we do next is what we observed about ourselves. we take it to God. And we just say, this is what I see. This is what I need to straighten out in right. my life. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say, and this is such a good point, is folks, um, Sister Penny's talking about being very self-reflective, especially in a, in a, a time where you you know you are um, you have anxiety over an issue, especially like she was mentioning is at the onset of the show about the the family tensions or the, the the infighting sometimes that goes on in our families and people not liking one another to just stop and say you know what what's my responsibility in this and right. why does this hurt me and, and so that's kind of what you're talking about. Well, I am, and I think then that third step is our self abandonment, and what that means is that we really have to let go mm. and trust God with whatever the situation. Situation is because forgiveness comes, but forgiveness comes in God's timing mm. and not ours. Because sometimes we need to sit with pain for a while. Wow. We need to let it in, and God uses pain for a purpose towards our growth. But I think we often think of forgiveness as having to do with feelings. Uh-huh. Uh, but forgiveness is actually an act of the will. So true. If we choose to forgive, we experience an emotional release, and then God can accomplish his plan in us. And forgiveness brings freedom and a conversion, a, a change of heart. But sincere forgiveness is the most difficult thing for us to do in our life. But each time that we can let go, we die a little bit to self. And that's why forgiveness, by some theologians, feel it's the last blockage to heaven. Really? I just love the way you say that. I'm glad you slowed down to say that um, 
Forgiveness is the, the last. last blockage to heaven. Well, we can find sometimes at the hospital. Mm. Some people cannot let go to die wow. because they haven't reconciled with a loved one. That can be a blockage for them. So we need time as we are awakened and transformed, and especially in our elder years, because when we're young, we're fun, we're having a good time, and we don't think about this. But as we get older, we start looking at ways of letting go, because all of those little deaths prepare us for the greater death. Mm. But you know what, uh, Pam, we can also choose not to forgive. And we know people. Uh, that's absolutely a choice. Yeah. And in that case, they refuse to be free. God will continue to tug at their hearts until they let go and move on. But to refuse forgiveness is like living with a spiritual cancer. And I think you, it's a type of slavery as well. Use well, that language as it, well. It is because there are people who feel that they they just want to hang on to that. They they have a sense of control over us. A power, they think yes. They do. Mm-hmm. And uh, but if we have turned it over to God, the situation, and we try to even apologize to this person or find out what is wrong and get to the bottom of it, um, we can let go, and we are free of the shackles. But some of these people think they have power over us by not forgiving us. And they are the ones who are not free. They're imprisoned. Yeah, let me slow you down here because this is actually a real world uh, scenario in my office. I'm just, you know, I've been been with a friend of mine who has a deep pain because of one person's unforgiveness, but they're still Mm -hmm. the brunt of it 15 years later. They're still the brunt of this person who has the control over them by treating them poorly on a regular basis in a family situation. What would be your advice to her as to how to to get past, you know, just not be around a person that treats her this way. I mean, that was my, was why I told her, just well, don't that's be a, around that's them. A, that's a good point because God asks us to forgive. And if we can forgive and they can't forgive us again, we have freed ourselves of the shackles. But one thing that we have to look at too is our personal integrity mm. tells us, Pam, that some relationships in our life should be severed. I know. They may be unhealthy for us emotionally and spiritually. And I know that it's really hard to let go sometimes, but there was something that I was taught by a spiritual director when I made retreat a number of years ago. And uh, I was having difficulty in a relationship with a friend of mine, and I didn't know how to handle it. And it wasn't getting much better And uh, she wasn't really open to me talking to her. So the spiritual director said to me, Penny, when you go into your prayer time now, I want you to take some paper and a pencil. And I want you in prayer to write a letter to your friend. She says, and I don't want you to stop and think about it. I says, what? She says, no, just start writing Ask the Lord, be with me in this letter, be with me in this letter. She says, and you start writing. And she says, don't you stop until you know when you're to stop. Well, of course, I thought, "Uh, what's this all about? But I did it. And I sat there. I never stopped. I continued to write, and I ended. I just stopped. And I looked, and I had six pages written. Wow. And I went and read what I wrote. And I started to cry Mm. with with what was deep in me Mm -hmm. and the language that came out. And the key here was 
do not send the letter. <laughs> but what it did, it will, it will dissipate the emotion mm. that can control us. And there was undue stress within me. Sure. And that only causes anxiety, anger, resentments, which all cause physical problems. That's so true. But going back to this ego, most of our pain comes from misunderstandings and pride. Mm. And most of our sins originate in self-love. Absolutely. I would say they pretty much all of them. <laughs> yeah. I, Ungodly I, self-love. I think that, yeah, I think that they do. But, you know, I think <clears throat> our, our broken hearts, they get mended over time by turning around and loving again and mm. maybe even being hurt again. Mm. And that's part, that's a part of our life. But if uh, we have to make a choice to forgive, it's not just uh, a feeling. That's right. Uh, you know, much like loving as well. Sometimes loving is no, we say it's not a feeling either. It is an action. Yeah. Um, so forgiveness is like an action as well. Oh, uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it takes, I think if we take our everyday trials and we ask God to help us uh, and to trust and, you know, to carry our cross in life, then that pain, it becomes redemptive. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it's, brings us goodness and new life. And the process, of course, is painful. Yes, you know, I want to slow you down just a micro bit because I'm thinking of like just um, those lifelong, really deep wounds that people can carry throughout their lives. And while there may be a a, a, um, conscious choice to forgive those actions, there's still pain there for what happened or, or what was allowed to happen and those kind of things. So, so what is your advice to try and uh, reconcile with that? Because it's still like a sorrow and, a, and a, just a sadness that, you know, whatever transpired, just transpired at all, even though you've really forgiven that person for what they had done, well, but and it's I still think, a deep pain. Yeah, and I think in our human nature, we can forgive somebody. We can make the choice to forgive, but we don't forget. Mm. And what I find in my life that I can do, which is just causes me to have a dark mind, is to go back and dig it all up again and let it bubble up and replay the situation. And then what happens? I'm reliving the emotion all over again. And I believe strongly that we, when that happens, it's our human nature, it happens. We have to bring it to God. And maybe mm. we bring it to God more than once. Sure. We're only human. We're only human. Right. But in our heart, if we want to be able to let go of that pain, we just say, Lord, again, it probably goes back to what I said in the chapel at the convent. You know what I'm like. Figure it out. Mm. Help me out here. Mm. Right? Exactly. We need to be, God says, it says in the scriptures, You must become like a little child to enter the kingdom of God. And what does that mean? It's it's a certain awe over creation. It's an awe and wonder. It's a simplicity. And I think the best thing in prayer is transparency. Mm -hmm. You know, even people can come to prayer angry at God. You just lost a child in a fire, a car accident. I mean, a mother isn't angry maybe with God. What sure does that mother is, do yeah. with those feelings? Mm-hmm. She, if she's angry with God, you know, God is big enough to handle our anger. Sure. And yeah. we need to be able to bring that honesty into our prayer lives. 
I, that was a real epiphany for me. Um, and of course, I was probably late 40s before I thought, you know, it's okay. And I even I even would like um, in the car by myself be angry and say, I'm really angry at you, Lord. And why did you ever allow this to happen? And, and he would allow graces to kind of like really enlighten my mind over um, the way I should be looking at the situation. Um, but, you know, another thing I want to say about forgiveness that a spiritual um, guide had told me once that I thought was so really good and because I was frustrated with myself that I seemed like I just couldn't seem to to get past this one thing that it just seemed like over and over again that I was forgiving it over and over again. And she said, you know, as many times it's like an onion. You, you There's many layers to some of these deep type of of wounds that we have. Um, and it, in my situation, there'll be things that happen in the here and now that are fruits of that old wound, if you, if you can say it that way. Oh, and I, and yeah. you have to keep forgiving over yes. and over again. Yes. I, I agree totally on that. And I think, you know, when we talk about prayer and we talk about how we cooperate with God in our life, that doesn't mean that it's just a God and me situation. Mm-hmm. What what is very important in our spiritual development and in forgiveness is awareness, that we are aware of who God puts on our path every day and the circumstances of our day. And I have found in my own life that I can be touched in my heart by those that are probably the little ones. And when I say little ones, that means children and the uneducated and the very poor. Mm. And I think that's what also has attracted me to CHI St. Joseph's health system is that we always have an option for the poor and vulnerable. And when our nurses and physicians are treating them, whether we get paid or not, this is a human being. And often they are transformed by by just the way they treat the poor. Mm. God uses people, and it's often the little ones, Mm. to reach into our heart and to transform it. You know, I read books by authors with PhDs and so on, and we all do, and they've got a lot of wonderful insights. Mm -hmm. And nothing against degrees. I've got degrees too. (laughs) But sometimes some things can stay in our head. Mm -hmm. And it can take, you know, it's only 12 inches from the head to the heart. But it can take a lifetime to get to the heart. And what I do at the hospital, okay, it might be about our behavior standards and our values and our mission, but I've said to our employees, I will never come up to you and ask you to tell me what our mission statement is. They look kind of surprised. I said, but I'm going to watch every move people make around here. And I don't want to see staff walking down the corridor looking at their phones. When somebody is walking towards you, you have eye contact with them and you smile and you greet them. And I Mm -hmm. says, you know, we've got people who walk in our facilities every day and our facilities, I said, that's sacred ground. God is present in each one of us because we are the hands and feet of Christ. Mm. And I said, we have people who come here every day for MRIs, CAT scans, lab work, and they're scared to death because they have no idea what the doctor is looking for, what he's going to find out or she find out on this person, but they might see you that day. That's right. And you could just have eye contact, give them a a smile, a greeting. I said, that can, that can do everything. And and the sacred art we have uh, in imagery within our healthcare system, there's times people 
cannot pray. And their heart is raised to heaven by stencils that we have a scripture or an inspirational quote. Right. So we hear this all the time. And I just know the people that apply at our hospital and stay with us are people who are strong in their faith. Their values are in alignment with who we are. You know, one of the things I, I love to quote Mother Teresa on peace begins with a smile. I think that is so um appropriate for the health clinic the health that I work in and just it's all across the board that way. But, you know, I want to go back a little bit to the 18 inches because um, that is so very true that sometimes we can have a concept in our, in our mind and, and want to assimilate it down to our heart. Mm-hmm. One of them is about redemptive suffering. Like that's a tough one. Yeah. It takes a little while to process it. But in your talk, you did talk about Types of prayer and the need for silence. Oh, absolutely. I think, well, I think we are in a culture today where there's so much busyness. And um, I think another part of why I gave this talk at the hospital is I looked at our world today, I looked at our society, and there's a lot of division, there's hate. Uh, You turn on television and you get a lot of violence. And when there's a nice Christian movie that comes out at the theaters, it's out there for a few days and it's gone. And I can get real sad over things like that. So we need to find time for quiet. Mm. And it doesn't mean always having to sit in church. It means taking a walk, paying attention to nature. You know, we all have different personalities. And God uses those personalities and touches us through the scriptures, through the word, through nature, through another person, and through a little child. Mm, so There's true. so many uh, ways of being touched. But um, to take time to sit and just be quiet. St. Teresa of Avila said it well. She says, I love to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and just let God love me. Now, when I first read that, I thought, oh, you know, because sometimes we go there thinking, am I worthy to be loved? Mm, And she sat there saying, I'm going to sit here and let God just love me. So So she didn't say anything. That's beautiful. And, you know, I think that's that's really, you know, I work with a lot of women in in spiritual guidance. And I'd say that is, is a profound point that needs to be reiterated every single time I sit down with them is how deeply they are loved. And, and I know that you're doing a good job and you're to, to love Jesus. But when was the last time you really sat and allowed him to love you? I, uh, I, I encourage the holy gaze. Oh, yes. Uh, have your favorite uh, portrait in your mind's eye of our Lord. Yes. That you really yes. love that resonates yes. with you and, and, and yes. sit in his holy gaze and can yes. be very healing. Um, especially when it comes to to trying to forgive certain people. And um, again, just recognizing their dignity um, of the person that maybe committed the wound. Um, Most likely they just worked from their own woundedness as well. And so that deep kind of uh, forgiveness is just so healing for us as well, even though we may have to keep visiting it over and over again. I think that, uh, yes, it probably does continuously come up. And I think that we can't beat ourselves up either for our human condition. Um, You know, we talk about different prayer forms. And as a sister, uh, it's interesting. I remember uh, at the convent in Sylvania, Ohio, at our mother house, during Mass, we'd have some of our older sisters who would be sleeping during Mass. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, what are we supposed to do about that? You know, poor little things. And uh, somebody said to me one day, well, what does that mean? You know, if they're sleeping during their prayer time. And I said, well, I was told if you fall asleep during prayer that the angels just continue praying. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> because I think we can get hard on ourselves and then we get hard on other people too. And uh, have high expectations. I remember my my dad when he turned 90, and he had the nicest disposition. And I said to him uh, one day, I said, you always seem to be pretty happy. And whenever I come over here to take you somewhere, you're just fine going wherever. And, and he, he looks at me and says, well, I have no expectations. Aww. And he says, therefore, I never have any disappointments. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. I just thought, you know, I hope when I get older that I can feel that way also. That right. uh, we look at each person and hope that we can look for the goodness in them. And that in itself is a task. Yes, absolutely. Because we can... Like I've said to some of our new nurses who come into our hospital, I said, there's days that you're going to be sworn at and you're going to be having uh, people who are combative and demanding. We've had nurses in our ER who have been kicked and sworn at. And it's our human nature to want to retaliate. And we don't allow it. So so how do we not do that? By prayer, self-discipline, courage, and strength. We have to ask for that and we have to remember we are the hands and feet of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're in healthcare or who we are in this world right. as Christians and as Catholics. And we're privileged to have the sacrament. So I know we didn't even get to talk about we reconciliation. We didn't even get to talk about reconciliation. If you're Catholic, go to reconciliation. And um, as we're wrapping this up, if you can believe it, it's already gone that oh, fast. Oh, wow. It's, since we are just finishing up the octave of Easter, um, I thought it was just really beautiful about the way you talked about rolling the stone away. Okay. So real quickly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, because I think we all have things that we're we're dealing with. So I hope that because we are in the Easter season for uh, listeners to think about how we may have helped remove the stones from Jesus's tomb. Mm. What were the stones that you had to remove? Were they stones of fear, doubt, selfishness, pride, guilt, greed? Because when we began to remove these stones from the tomb of our hearts, uh, that is when we found his hidden life within us, removing the stones that set Jesus free to rise, to touch, and to heal, and to make us whole once again. You know, God is with us, and it's a God who wills us to healing and uh, a fuller life. So we probably need to look at what are those obstacles in our own lives of healing. Well, there's the music, sister. I think we're done. I can't thank you enough for coming and joining my Red Sea Roundup. And until next time, folks, go and love your neighbor.